Welcome to the block. Thanks for subscribing. The big news this week is the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill that Biden signed into law yesterday. With just a few days to spare before the flood of evictions would come. It always seems to happen like that, doesn't it? Congress moves at one minute to midnight. Crisis management at its finest. So the conventional wisdom is that the stimulus is totally necessary and that anyone who even questions this obvious fact is above their pay grade. And I'm not going to try and say that the stimulus is or isn't necessary. What I will do is explore what it is that's actually happening when these stimulus programs go into effect. So essentially, there are two big ways for the government and the banking system to create the previously paper and now mostly electronic bank money that we have been using for the last 50 years. Fiscal policy is the government's budget. The government can run a surplus, which means collecting more tax revenue than the government spends. This practically never happens. Most years, the government runs a deficit, which means it spends more than it receives in tax revenue. It runs a big deficit. Monetary policy is the policy of the Federal Reserve, which is basically the national bank of the U.S. government, which is run by the banking system, but it claims to be an independent organization. The Federal Reserve can enact a tight monetary policy, which means keeping interest rates high and rewarding savings. This also practically never happens. Most years, at least in my lifetime, the Federal Reserve has enacted a loose monetary policy, which means keeping interest rates low and rewarding those who take on debt and make investments. It discourages savings. So let me give you an example. If I can get a loan at 5% interest, and then I can invest the money and get more than a 6% return, it makes sense to do so. It especially makes sense to do so when I make a measly less than 1% by keeping money in savings. This is what it's like today. In a tight money environment, which we don't have, maybe I could still get the 5% loan, but it's probably going to be higher. Call it 8%. This means companies can't afford to take out as much loans to invest now and pay back later because it costs more to pay back later than it would have otherwise. So now, in addition to companies not being able to grow as fast, people are more incentivized to save and make a higher than 1% return with low-risk savings. So the $1.9 trillion stimulus means, in fiscal terms, the government is going to run a bigger deficit to pay for all the extra spending. In monetary terms, the Federal Reserve is working to keep interest rates at all-time historic lows in order to keep our out-of-control growing debt pile of the U.S. government from getting even more out of control. I mean, imagine if we had to pay back our over $28 trillion in debt at like 10% interest. It's kind of funny to even think about. So the result of all this is there is less confidence in the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve than ever before. Therefore, fewer people want to buy the U.S. government debt. And the yields on those 10-year and 30-year treasury bonds have to go up to create more demand and get more people to sell stocks and buy government bonds. And that is the story of the stock market correction over the last two weeks, pricing in the stimulus package. People are also fearful of inflation. And when they think about inflation, typically they are thinking about the cost of food and clothes and such. So the government gets away with telling us that inflation is very low. I don't know about you, but if you've checked prices of education, housing, and transportation, those things have gone way up. To understand the real cost of inflation, I like to refer to the Chapwood Index, which discusses the problems with the Consumer Price Index, or the CPI, and does their own calculation. According to them, 
the five-year average inflation rate is over 10% in a bunch of large cities in the USA. Inflation is another way to say devaluation of your money, the loss of purchasing power of your currency, increased prices in goods and services. If you put Federal Reserve notes, also known as US dollars, under your mattress, they are losing 10% of their value every year, even though they still look the same. Keeping your money in a savings account in the bank is basically the same. Your dollars are dying. This is why people turn to Bitcoin. People love to point out the skyrocketing Bitcoin housing and stock prices as a bubble. But they don't often think about the reverse, which is essentially an en masse exodus from fiat currencies. Look at this chart of the price of US dollars in terms of Bitcoin over the last five years. For those who are just listening, the price of dollars in terms of Bitcoin is 0.00. .00. It is pretty much flatlined there at this point. So if you had one Bitcoin five years ago, it was worth approximately $400. Today, that Bitcoin's value has multiplied over 100 times since then. So in terms of Bitcoin, something that cost you $1 five years ago now costs less than one penny. The period of fiat electronic bank money is on the decline. The smart money has raced to hold assets like real estate, art, Bitcoin, gold, and more. Basically, anything the government can't print at its free will. So be happy with your $1,400 stimulus check if you're getting one. At least the government is giving some of the printed money directly to the people who need it most. I mean, if you're going to devalue my life savings, at least give me a kiss and a nice little stimmy check to ease the pain first. Until next time, block. What's going on, everybody? Here goes your market update for March 12th, 2021. Uh, so bond yields were going gangbusters today. The 10-year was up over 5%, and the 30-year was up over 3.5%. Um, that's scary for stock markets, but if the markets continue to rally with the bond yields going up, that's actually super bullish. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond next week to those. This spike is kind of crazy. We haven't seen this in a number of years. Uh, with that, growth stocks, the NASDAQ were down almost a percent. The HSI was also down over 2%, and the Nikkei was up almost 2% in global markets. In the USA Big 8 stocks, Amazon, Tesla, and Apple were all down almost a percent. Again, growth stocks getting hit by the yields going up. Um, the big story is Walgreens is up over 3%, uh, so the retail sector, end of the pandemic, reopening play. In the China Big 8 stocks, Tencent was down almost 8%, and Tencent Music was down almost 5%, and JD was down almost 7%. Across the board, the big eight China stocks were all in the red. U.S. banking, fintech, and crypto, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan were all up over 1%. Goldman Sachs leading the way up almost 2%. They're loving those higher yields. That's great for banking. Bitcoin is around 57,344 as of the time of recording this, and Ethereum is at 1,770. Ether's down approximately 3% in the last 24 hours. In mining, metals, and foreign exchange, uh, nothing doing really, nothing too much to speak of, except that the uh, dollar index got a little bump, and the euro, the yen, and the Chinese yuan were all down approximately the same amount as the, the dollar was up. And commodities, nothing doing. Quiet day.
All right. Thanks for joining, everybody. Talk to you soon.